0: Hi, welcome to Chicana Code Switchers.
1: Your co-hosts are Ariana and Patricia.
0: We are both Chicanas in our master's program, who are also scholar practitioners in student affairs.
1: This podcast is intended to provide insights into higher education, with a focus on social justice and pláticas of student experiences. With that being said, let's start the show.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Chicana Code Switchers episode. Um, Today is a rainy day here in Cambridge. Um, How's it going over there, Patricia? It is really hot. hot.
1: (laughs) It's here, and it's really dry and hot.
0: Well, uh, we'll get started. Today we have the fortunate opportunity to have a wonderful guest speaker who we will
1: introduce Uh, right now. Patricia, go ahead. So um, we have our guest is uh, Tracy Jones, uh, guest pronouns, she, her, hers. Uh, Part of her educational trajectory, um, she finished her bachelor's of arts at Harvard Extension School with a major in sociology and an MED um, at Northwestern University with a concentration in higher education administration.
0: And Tracy is currently the Associate Director of Student Affairs, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. She is responsible for developing, delivering, and co-creating with students diversity programming for the HUGSE community. She also oversees the Alumni of Color Conference and advises students uh, affinity groups. And in 2016, she developed and launched the Equity and Inclusion Fellows Program. Fellows provide trainings and workshops on equity, inclusion, and belonging for Hugsey and the greater Harvard community. In addition to all of this wonderful work, she is also working at Hugsy, uh, where she's the administrator, uh, administrative ad- advisor for the Harvard University Black Graduate Student Alliance, and she oversees the university-wide Black graduation. Prior to coming to Harvard, she was the vessel operations coordinator and a crew member for the Freedom Schooner Amistad a tall ship committed to teaching the important lessons of history inherent in the Amistad incident of 1839. She sailed during the Amistad America Freedom Tour, which retraced the Atlantic slave trade with ports in Mystic, Connecticut, Mm -hmm. Canada, the United Kingdom, Portugal, Sierra Leone, Cape Verde, the Bahamas, and Charleston, South Carolina. She is currently an ABD doctoral student at Northeastern University. Her dissertation topic is the impact of academic resources and student support services on the success of black women at an Ivy League graduate school. And with that, we'd like to introduce Tracy. Thank you. I appreciate you having me here today. Yes. So... um, we like to start our all of our episodes with a brief check-in about uh, anything that has happened in the past week or, or something that we're looking forward to. So would you like to start, Tracy? Sure. My birthday was yesterday. Yay! Happy Yay. birthday to me! <laughs> <laughs> um, what else are you working on or looking forward to? Um, I'm looking forward to Mother's Day because
2: I'm going to surprise visit my mother. <laughs> she doesn't know I'm coming. Um, so I'm just going to focus
0: on me and not work. Oh, good, good. <laughs> What about you, Patricia?
1: So far, just trying to survive this heat. Um, And also, it's the last three weeks before the semester ends. So, so many assignments, too. So many things going on. Um, Looking forward for summer and just waiting to see, like, what, hearing back from applications to see what um, I'll be doing Mm. in summer. And then, um, just really ready to be done with my first year of uh, my master's program. And it was easier than I it was academically but professionally pretty challenging. So mm. um I'm just like excited to just not have something due like academically. <laughs> due dates are the worst. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Ariana?
0: Uh so for me it's been um I think just a lot like you just a lot of assignments are due all of a sudden. It- um my last Let week of classes that is... in because we had to <laughs> um, um, next week is my last week of classes, so I need to turn in finals a couple of papers. Uh, one of them I'm really excited of in about working on is for Dr. West uh, in his American Democracy class. so I was I've been meeting with the TFs trying to like get some context as to like how I should focus and frame my paper and making sure that I'm you know, covering what I need to cover because it's like the only paper he asks us to write. And so our grade is dependent on this. Um, And yeah, just job interviews next week. And um, then I go to Puerto Rico. What did
2: you do this week? Didn't you travel?
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I forget these things. They happen so fast. So I was, I went to the CNN town hall this past um, Monday. And so I was able to see in person the five uh, Democratic candidates for president, and people like um, what is her name, Elizabeth Warren, and Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, Mayor Pete Buttigieg. I think I'm learning how to pronounce his last name. And then this lady from Minnesota, whose name I forgot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they were all pretty cool. Um, very interesting to be to be able to experience what an, a show mm-hmm. looks like and how it all works behind the scenes and the audience and the clapping and everything yeah awesome so the topic for today is around higher education leadership from uh, Tracy's perspective and strategies that, that she's used uh, throughout her professional career and so the first question that we'd like to ask you Um, based on your experience, as far as what was your early experience you remember of feeling the violence of how you either do not, how you either do not belong or and need to adapt to these settings?
2: Um, So I think I knew what I was getting into because I went to the uh, Harvard Extension School. So I was already a part of the community. Um, But I think it's different being a student and a staff member. Um, because as a student, you have your authentic identity and you can choose to always be yourself. But as a staff member, you are part of the administration. Um, and your 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 loyalty is to the administration before it is to identity. Um, and so I think that's one of the things that I had to adapt to and I struggle with um, all the time. Um, and something I talk to my mentors of color about as well. Because as you move up, you start to realize that you have to lose more of yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and that's one of my fears.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, did, uh, were there anything like uh, that that was happening? You know, yeah.
2: Um, his, historically, I can talk about, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, um, um, police violence on Black men, protests that are happening or were happening on campus and then having to be an administrator and address that, but also having to be a black woman and feel the pain of that, Mm -hmm. um, and not realizing early on that that is stress inducing and it's internalized stress. And so when you asked me about feeling the violence, Mm -hmm. um, I developed epilepsy um, as an adult and I developed it while I was here. And my neurologist told me it was because of the stress Mm -hmm. and that it would continue to happen until I alleviated the stress. Um, which is something I have not figured out how to do. (laughs) Right.
1: And how has, like, um, how have you worked to either um, change the way that you think about, like, when these things come up? Or, like, is there any strategies that you use to, like, help you in those moments? Because it's, it comes up so much. And especially when your identity is, like, really, like, tied and, like, heightened when these moments are. And I mean things like especially when like tragedies like like in that magnitude happen um how do you like either conceptualize it how do you work to also like do that self-care um that you need to do as an admin and as a person like outside of your role So I, therapy, (laughs) I go to therapy every week, unless I'm
2: just not, I can't do it. Um, But my therapist, she has a private practice, but she is of Harvard, and she's a woman of color. And I think for me, that was important because this is a unique uh, community, and you need someone to understand, and and you need to be able to say exactly how you're feeling, and you want to say it to someone who understands what you're feeling. And so that was important for me. Um, the second thing was crying. Like I thought that I was supposed to be strong. You know, you had that trope of the black woman who's like superwoman and strong and realizing that if I didn't cry, people would not see me as human um, and that it's okay for me to cry. Um, and so those are two things, but I know I need to do more. So I'm not going to lie and say I have it figured out because um, I need to do more around self-care.
1: And especially like the more you go up on the, on the chain, it's like a whole like transition period where, you know, everything is really messy. Like, yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: I mean, I'll, I'll be honest and say that I am afraid to go further up the chain because mm-hmm. of that. Um, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with some senior leaders here at Harvard, women of color, women in general, even white women. Um, and they've told me that you are going to deal with this. And it's going to come at you like a water hose. And you're going to stand in the water hose or the fire hydrant. And eventually the water is going to stop. And that's a scary thing. Because if you've ever stood in front of a fire hydrant, the power of that water is painful. Um, and so when I think about it, I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready for that pain. Um, but it's something that I've been struggling with.
0: Yeah. Now, that's a really good, um, really good analogy. And it's very... It's very true because I think at least for me personally that's like i'm I'm going for that administrative role like I know that's where the decisions are being made that then get trickled down to everyone else that they need to implement, and so for me, that's something that i've that I do question myself about do I really want mm-hmm. how bad do I want it um and is it gonna be worth it and but then again, if no one does it, we're gonna continue having these cycles right like this where students are not being supported the way that they need to or
1: the fact that like when we see like the potential change that we can create like we have the vision the passion the personal like lived experience of like mm-hmm. we know where the root cause of a lot of these things are coming from and it's like when we're in like the first entry-level position we're like oh I wish I was like in that spot yeah like mm-hmm. I feel like I could do so much but then it, it it just reminds me of like all these like especially this past year, just looking at the political candidates and just mm-hmm. like all the diversity is coming up, but then how are we treating these people once they're in the space? Yeah,
2: I totally agree. You think they're like, uh, they, they are the, they, the spokesperson for their entire race or the spokesperson for all people of color. And that's not possible. Mm-hmm. And you don't put that type of pressure on white candidates or white administrators. So why that's do you true. put it on people of color? Um, And it comes from people of color. That's the hardest part, right? It doesn't come from your white colleagues or the white students. It comes from your community.
1: Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, like you're added, like this, like the added taxing of not only do you not have to know yours, but you have to be an expert in like everyone else's like oppression, which is like super like um hard because I'm like we it's dynamic in general and we have so much to learn on top of like our already roles and logistics that we have to do in that position
0: mm-hmm.
1: so for me I'm like like as I move to other positions I'm just like darn you know like <laughs> you, you think that you're going to do something but there's so many people making so much noise to stop
0: you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and yeah so, so- uh um- so our second question in talking about these administrative positions is, what are some things that new professionals can do to obtain administrative positions if this is what they're seeking? What what are some recommendations or things that you would
1: suggest?
2: So, I mean, if you're in school, I would say student organizations are, you know, one of the greatest things that you can do. And not in the sense that you're like, oh, I'm going to be the president of this organization, but that you're gonna do the work, like I'll speak to what Ariana does and she develops relationships. When she comes up with an idea for an event, she comes up with it, she plans it, she pulls the people together. And so you're developing relationships that you will use in the future. Mm-hmm. And I think people don't realize that, that a part of moving into roles is relationships. It's all about relationships. It's not about the application. Um, I always say to students that if you're applying to jobs online solely, once you've gone to school for a higher ed degree you're doing the wrong things Mm -hmm. like you should be developing those relationships not only in your university but if you can outside by going to conferences or by trying to co-sponsor events with other schools like that should be your goal as a student Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and then question number three um, are what are some common mistakes that people make that you've seen um so I think people have been very
2: um robotic mm-hmm. um in the sense that like oh I want you to be my mentor oh I want this job in this and you know all humans are relational mm-hmm. and so I think if you're you're just trying to develop a relationship if you're just like hey how are you doing mm-hmm. popping in just to talk to people ask them about their weekend ask them about their families, ask them about their passions and their interests. You start to develop a relationship in which people look for you. Mm -hmm. They look for you to stop by. They look to hear from you. People love to talk about themselves. That's one of the biggest things I learned. My prior career was in sales. (laughs) If people, you allow people to talk about themselves, they think they are closer to you than they actually are. Um, And I think that's the way in which you move into positions Mm -hmm. um, because then people will start talking about what's happening at work They'll want to connect you to their friends. And then that's when you start talking about the work that you can do or the work that you have done. So when a job comes up, people think of
1: you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then when your earlier, um, um, professional positions, like how had that like experience helped you? Like, was it an easy, like, here's the, you know, I can see every step or was it? No. I mean, this is one. I always say, this is my second life.
2: Like, Mm -hmm. My professional experience is in sales. Um, before I came here, I'll say a couple of steps. So my most of my professional experience was in sales. I was an account executive at FedEx and then a the sales trainer at FedEx. Then I went into the mortgage industry, um, and I was a commercial account executive. And then I was burnt out. I quit my job, and I went to go work and live on that boat, the Amistad. So it had nothing to do with higher ed, but the captain of my boat happened to a professor at the college and she taught celestial navigation so when the boat ran out of money she was like oh you should go back to school and I was like okay she was like come to Harvard and that's how I wound up here like Mm -hmm. I had no prior student affairs experience I didn't even know what student affairs was as a profession and then I got a job as a staff assistant in this office and I've just moved up like this was not something I wanted to do it's not something that I set out to do it was all about relationships quite honestly
0: and now that you're here in this world of student affairs and you prior to being the associate director you were an assistant director so Mm -hmm. now that you're in this world how has that what has encouraged you to continue in this in this space what is it that you want to do or change or Mm -hmm. hope to where do you see yourself going
2: So I'm curious. I think that's what keeps me here. I'm Mm -hmm. curious about how things work. Um, You know, I was I was pegged for diversity um, and I've been talking to some senior leaders at Harvard, um, women of color. And they're like, the more you do diversity, the the deeper the hole you're digging for yourself, because people will only see you as that person. So you need to start moving out of this. Mm -hmm. Um, You start needing you need to meet other people. And so I know I definitely wanna do something with students. I know I'm good at events. Um, I know I am a big you know, visionary um, and a strategic thinker. And so I wanna do things around strategy, pulling people together and staying connected to students. So that's where I am. Um, I had a conversation with a senior leader um, and she told me create your own job and it will mm-hmm. emerge. Um, and, and creating your own job, not just on paper, but acting it out within the university. Um, So I volunteer a lot at different schools. I go to events. I stay late. Mm -hmm. You know, I make sure people around the university know my name and know what I like to do. My biggest fear, like I said earlier, is like stepping into that fire hose. Um, And one of the um, pieces of advice I was given is that If you stay comfortable, you're not going to move up. And when somebody gives you an opportunity, you have to go. Um, And so that's my biggest fear is that someone's going to tap me now that I told them, hey, I can do all these things and I'm going to have to go. Because if someone asks you um, at a senior level, if you shoot them down, they
1: may never ask you again. So
2: that's where I am right now.
1: And you mentioned something really like key here, like where a lot of us who do work with mostly underrepresented students like this is the common comment I get from other people you really have to like work somewhere outside of like diverse roles yeah and the first time I heard it I was like like how dare you like (laughs) this is important um but can you speak on like your experience on like not only how like the first comment you heard it but it's like how you see like since you are doing diverse diversity work like In trying to move out of it, like, what does that look like?
2: So one
1: woman that I spoke to, um,
2: a white woman who's a senior leader here, told me that you need to be able to tell your story in a minute or less. Um, And you need to not use the word diversity, equity, and inclusion, Mm -hmm. unless you're saying that you look at your work through that lens. Mm -hmm. Um, And she said, because you have been pigeonholed in higher ed in that area, you need to talk about the skill sets that you have. And as she made me think about what my story is before I came to higher ed, you know, I was a salesperson, which means I have customer um, service experience. I have relational experience. I know how to build relationships with people. I know how to sell them on things. I know how to bring people together. I'm a team player. I'm a leader. I'm an inspirer. Like she was pulling all of that out of me and she was like, and there's so many roles to utilize that skill set, right? Um, and because of that, it puts you in a position to work with people of marginalized identities. I think Ariana and I were talking about this before, mm-hmm. um, that the higher you go, the more you can pull or the more power you have. And that's what um, a woman of color who's in a very high position at Harvard told me was that, you know, you need to get in a position in which people see you as a part of the, the table and that you, you're you able to speak at the table, not just sit at the table. Because once you can speak at the table, you can start making changes. Mm-hmm. And until then, you're actually not really making the greatest impact that you can make for your people. And not saying that you shouldn't stay at a mid-level or entry level. But if you aspire for more, you have to realize that you have to step away from your people in order to build mm-hmm. for your people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
1: um, I've come across, like, especially in my position where like not everyone knows what I do like especially since I advise undocumented students we mm-hmm. don't know what it actually takes to advise mm-hmm. undocumented students so I think for me it's been like really uh, a great you know asset to my like skill is learning how to market those you know skills and be like you know what I'm an expert in crisis management I yep. know how to strategic plan like yep you're of- resourceful <laughs> you're creative exactly a great problem solver yeah yep, yep. <laughs> that's the part where i'm like okay it, the hard part is like stepping out of my comfort zone and going to like again more white spaces and so that's one thing where i'm like oh my gosh like you know we get comfortable within our own people yep that once we have to like go up and be alone again Like, cause I've had this experience before. Yeah. I'm like, oh man, like, I don't want to go back to, you know, having a mask and having to perform. And so this is where like the code switching comes in and you're just like, I'm so tired of this performance, you know, but really this is where, you know, the changes can happen. And especially how you were mentioning, like, what are you doing at the table? Like, okay, you have the titles, you have the access, Uh but do you know
2: how to work that, that place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I went to a conference and, um, a conference for African-American women in higher education. And the keynote said that you have mentors and you have sponsors. Mentors look like you, they understand you. They can help you talk through what you're dealing with about the mask. Your sponsor is that person who is always at the table and who will talk about you when you're not in the room. And the only way you can get a sponsor is stepping outside of your comfort zone. Um, And then that's when you have to cross culture. That's when you have to code switch. That's when you have to build relationships and trust. So if I'm only going to bring one Latina to the table, then it needs to be you. Um, And it's not competitiveness. It's like where I want to go in my career. And because of that, I need certain people as a part of my network. Um, And not that I'm fighting anyone else who's like me for this. Mm -hmm. It's just that I am the person for this job. And so if you look at it in that way, then you will develop those relationships outside of your comfort zone. Um, And I think that's hard for all of us. But I think once we start realizing that people are human and there's a connection, whether we like the same things or, you know, um, we share in some of the same academic background, once you find out what that connection is, you'll realize that you can build a, str- a really strong relationship with someone that you would consider a sponsor.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, well, that's true. And I think that brings us to this, the next question slash slash context um, that we want to provide you. Um, oftentimes people are saying things to Patricia and I uh, at different, in different settings about how impressed they are about what we do and and that and all the work that we're doing Um, and that we need more people like you in these positions spaces but they also point out that as young professionals we still have areas to work on um, but are not provided that mentorship Um, what are some recommendations to address um, statements like these so one i would say is that
2: you know what don't wait for people to give you the experience that they're saying you lack Mm -hmm. get detailed information from them about what you lack and then go find people who are going to give you that opportunity to to grow in those areas because immediately i would say those people aren't going to give you that opportunity because they would say you know what you still need experience in this and here's a project that i want to put you on so that you could develop that Mm -hmm. experience so if they're not saying that to you they're not invested in your future Mm -hmm. but they are telling you what people think you're lacking and so then you should go find out who's going to give you the opportunity to do that work? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The other piece is, you know, sometimes you got to pick your battles. Sometimes you can call people on that and say, oh, you're saying I'm lacking experience in event planning. So do you have any events that I can help you plan so that I can gain that experience? Or do you have anyone um, in particular that you can direct me to so that I can gain that experience? Um, And you'll feel it out depending upon the conversation, but for myself, it's like when you tell me I can't do something, it's kind of like, OK, those are fighting words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to go out and do it and I'm going to come back to you and be like, oh, guess what I did, you know, very nicely. So I feel like if you're not for me, then
0: why am I going to waste my time with you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the next question is, what challenges did you have to navigate in your own process of, of getting into this current position that you have?
2: So like I said, I had to make the choice that I was going to be the diversity person (laughs) Um, because I knew that was the only way anyone was going to let me move up because no one wants to deal with the students of color. I mean, like it's real. Um, And because you see that I can talk to them and develop relationships with them, it was kind of like I just kept getting pushed in in areas in which to do that. Like, you know, just talking to students one on one or advising students or doing events. And I'm like, oh, okay, people don't want to do this. There's a gap here. I'm going to fill it. And I'm going to fill it so that everybody knows I've filled it. And one of the things just from my sales experience that I will offer up to all of you is that what we were taught in sales is that you do three by three in building relationships. So you start at the bottom and you know everyone across the bottom. That is your security staff, your janitorial staff, your cafe workers. Then you move up to the next run and that's your administrative tasks, your secretaries, your program administrators, your staff assistants. Then you move up to the next rung. That's your mid-level managers. And then the final rung is your senior leadership. If you know three across in every area, because people will fall off, people will retire, or they'll quit. If you know three across in every area, your name will get around. And once you've done that, the people who may not want to see you succeed can't take you down because too many people know you. Mm -hmm. So always three up, remember Mm -hmm. that.
0: That is true. And that and it is true. That's something I was telling Tracy a few months ago is that with, you know, people have to be careful because you know, so many people, like when you know so many people, like she's saying the, if someone is, you know, saying something bad about you or is, tr- or is feeling threatened by you and makes a comment to someone, not knowing that that person knows you and that information will end up, you know, to you and then you'll you'll get that information and then you'll know not to count on that individual. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you yourself, we also have to to give ourselves credit that we ourselves can are also resourceful and can also be those connections for other people.
2: Definitely. Definitely. Um
1: Uh, so uh, mm -hmm. oh (laughs) so I was also thinking like is there any like space where right now like you're thinking about like that's like my biggest like insecurity or like you feel like you're still like is an area of growth for you like th-
2: mm-hmm. yeah definitely negotiating <laughs> negotiating and then I would say just being very direct in how money works in this place mm-hmm. so you get your salary but I've, what I've learned is that people are getting side hustle money for like oh, yeah. doing workshops and I'm saying at Harvard not outside of Harvard like I'm learning people are doing workshops, people are consulting. And I'm like, wow, you could do this at other schools, right? Um, So one, figure it out, who I should actually have that conversation with. And then two, then starting to have that conversation. Um, Because of course when you're in a diversity person, everybody's like, oh, can you come talk to my people? Mm -hmm. Oh, can we have a conversation? Oh, can you help me write this? And so lately I've been saying no. And then the next I should be saying is no and, but I can do this. But yeah, that's where I struggle with right now, because I'm like, should I do that? Because then that keeps pushing me in that diversity space and then I'll never get out. Or should I do that and kind of build up this repertoire of um, actual experience, the stuff that I can put on my resume? Um, So, yeah, I'm conflicted in in where I turn right now. Mm -hmm. And what are some of the perks of the position? I think because no one wants to talk about race. I mean, you <laughs> forget all the other aspects of diversity. People just are afraid to talk about race. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not really afraid to talk about that. And I'm not, I'm not angry. You know what I mean? So a lot of people want to talk to me because I'm not angry and accusatory. And I'm just like, okay, let's talk. Um, and I, I didn't realize it, but that's why people have been like called Tracy and so random people will just call me, like somebody <laughs> called me from the Arnold Arboretum, like the plants, <laughs> yeah. forestry and plants. And she's like, oh, I want to talk to you about a project that I'm doing <laughs> around <laughs> diversity and the environment. I'm like, word. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know what I can do, but sure. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, because I'm like, yeah, of course, let's talk about it. But yeah I think that's one of the perks, and then you learn about other people and their fields, and I just I love stories I love people, I love their stories I find them
0: fascinating mm-hmm. and recently, we did a workshop Tracy mm-hmm. on Monday, more like you did a workshop, and I helped you <laughs> uh, on the side um but you used what i i you're, and what I admire about Tracy's is that she's so creative, so thoughtful, um everything she already said um I often talk about you here uh how supportive you are because um based on my previous experiences i don't think i've had one other person mariana who has been like similar kind of like allowing me to grow allowing me the space to come up with ideas and running with them like you we brainstorm and mm-hmm. like and you help me once i'm actually implementing you know, events or bringing speakers or like brainstorming who we need to talk to to like get more money or, you -hmm. know, things like that. And so I really appreciate um, that flexibility and that trust. Um, And then recently at this workshop, what I admire is that also you're very symbolic um, and you used um, these keys. So you ordered some keys um, that at the end of the workshop, you were you gifted all of the people that attended the workshop as as a symbol to represent what? To open the
2: door, um, because keys can open doors, they can lock doors, um, and I'm giving them the key to remember to open the door, and when they open the door, they need to think about how, how wide they're going to open the door, because you can open it, and I may not be able to walk in, but the wider you open it, the easier it is for me to get in, um, and what does that mean to you symbolically? So- I said visually, they can feel it, whatever, but it should be a symbol of them to always be thinking about opening the door.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and something that I, I that I really appreciate was that the workshop was around privilege, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so a lot of the attendees were diverse and different departments, and they even mentioned, I you know, this is something that I've experienced at Sonoma State, where we all work in silos and we rarely you know cross each other's. Uh, departments or schools you know and that's something that they pointed out um, some of the participants said oh we rarely get over the river mm-hmm. and it's like why don't we cross the river more often why don't we come and have meetings with each other that way we know what we're all doing and we're not all replicating the same work
2: mm-hmm. you know
0: there's more partnerships and, and there's um, and we reach more people in doing this and
1: yeah I agree and I, and I really liked what you said Ariana about like what is it like to have a supervisor that really encourages you and like works, it's like a collaboration within Mm -hmm. projects and thinking about like, what is our department or our office gonna do within this next semester or so? So um, Tracy, could you like think about like Mm -hmm. those experiences been like supervising and being the supervisor or, yeah. So, I mean, I think I,
2: I learn just as much from her as she learns from me, and I consider her an expert in her work. And if I'm not that, then I need to be working with a person who is that. And I learn so much from her because she's doing these things, and because she's introducing me to speakers or concepts or ways in which to do the work. Um, and so that's why I feel it's important, right? And if she moves on, which she will move on, um, and she becomes my colleague, then she's going to introduce me to even more people, and she's going to actually influence the work in which I do. So I think it's important to push people to their highest heights, um, because they're always going to be able to be a bridge for you. So why try not to to encourage people to be their authentic selves and to do as much as they possibly can, um, because you're only going to benefit from that. They're not your competition.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you um, spoke, like just like the the fact that we don't have to be, like, even within our own role, be the experts in everything,
0: mm-hmm. allowing
1: some of those colleagues to bring out their expertise and be like, I don't have that, I admire it, there's no way I can replicate that in the mm-hmm. way, you know, but the fact that you're so willing and open to do that is, like, so, like, amazing, first of all, because you don't see that often.
0: Mm-hmm. It's really hard to find. Yeah, well, you have to
2: be honest with yourself, though. Like you gotta pick the people who you know could do the work. <laughs> <laughs> so once you know someone could do the work, why micromanage? They're right. like they can do the work. Let them run and do it because it's just gonna make you look even better. What,
0: yeah. Tracy? Go ahead. Tracy, do you mind um, sharing how I ended up here? <laughs> I yeah. <like> It's just funny because it really does highlight everything we're talking about relationships and opportunities. And if a position is not created, like asking questions is always helpful.
2: Yes. So last year we had a student, Alma, who ran UndocuAllies, which is a student organization, and she did so much work. She said, you know, this needs to be an actual role. Like you need an intern to do this work. And so our associate dean was like, you know what? I want you to dedicate an intern to that. So Alma was like, oh, I know somebody that you should meet. This was before the end of the school year. And so we got on a call, Liz, who was my director at the time, we got on a call with her and she pretty much was telling us all the stuff she did. And I was like, we don't need to interview anybody. So literally, (laughs) it was an informal conversation. We were like, when are you getting to campus? And call us when you get here. And she started working. Mm
0: -hmm. So there was no job posting. There was no interviews. It was just her. And it was so funny because I took it like an interview, but when I was actually talking to both of them, it sounded more like an informal conversation. But I was ready. Like if we had been on Google Hangouts, you could see like I'm on the on the floor of my living room with notes on the side, <laughs> my resume ready to reference it, and um, it just felt so. For me, it was such a, like, comfortable experience. Like, it's just so unexpected because I was just ready to, like, answer questions and, and like, talk about it, um, about what I've done. And it was, like, ever since then, like, you can tell a lot about what your experience will be based on the conversations you have at the beginning or, like, the type of communication you have via email. Uh, you can pick up on things. And so, sure enough, the first week of August, I contacted you and we set up a time to meet um and the start date and then you know the the rest has been history yeah i agree it's the same way she felt about me i felt about her
2: i'm like in this conversation i'm gonna know if i could work with her or not i'm gonna know if she knows what she's talking about or not i don't need to see her resume because people could like fluff their resumes Mm
1: -hmm. it's the conversations that tell you who people really are Mm -hmm. and that's the thing that i find amazing about working in like spaces with diversity like you take away all this like meritocracy and all this like showmanship that you're just like, it doesn't matter. And it's so superficial that
2: Mm -hmm. it's like
1: super important, like that relationship, that like conversations, like, are you, you know, are you good with your, you know, on your feet to talk about certain things? Like, do you know your stuff? Like, yes. (laughs) Because I've seen so many resume builders in student affairs, like, it's like okay you did the certificate like this is the thing i was telling ariana that um just like it's so frustrating for me because i'm like damn it like i have to prove that i know how to do diversity work like now like Mm -hmm. it's really heightened in higher ed because like everyone yep the perfect diverse candidate with all these like medals on like i'm an expert on all these things but i'm like i'm not really an expert i just like know a little bit but I I wouldn't know how to you know describe it to the extent of someone who has that lived experience um and so for for me I was like it's so interesting like all these trainings and all these like you know diversity and everything and i was just like that was just the intro like when Mm -hmm. when you actually do the work you like know way more of the nuances and like I totally like freak out (laughs) like and so it's it's amazing like and and it comes to show like when you have this vision of like authentic relationships and relationship building, and really you're invested within like the work that we do, how different our approach is to everything.
0: Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. stage. Yeah. And and the working relationship, um, at least for the way that I experienced it with Tracy, is it's very organic. It's very, um, I really appreciate being honest with her like um, I know last semester I was feeling really overwhelmed with my school work just because I had papers all the time from like different classes and it was really like I was taking this job this position this internship I've never had an internship so I was taking it seriously I've been working for you know seven years professionally so I was like trying to meet like my own expectations of the position and feeling overwhelmed and then like having Tracy like detect that and like sit me down and talk about it where it's like you you're doing a lot like let's figure out a way where you can balance and that way reduce how you're feeling uh, of the feeling of overwhelming and then um, so that's something that I appreciate that she's very um, introspective and that's a, a quality
1: that not everyone has it's not something you can teach and I think it's like also like the way that we take up this internship because I'm like Ariana and I were on like the same stage like coming from different supervisors and then transitioning into our master's programs with like mm-hmm. incredible supervisors that I told um Ariana's like oh my gosh like I feel so weird like I always felt that I had to prove myself so much and like go mm-hmm. overboard like on so many of like not only did it have to be great it had to be excellent you know and and the work that we did and like having a supervisor be like hey you know you can like chill you know like <laughs> you're doing amazing but you, again you're just a grad assistant like you. Yeah. but for us it's like so important to learn all these things because we only have such a short period of time mm-hmm. you know, yeah. to be that assistant and to like grow and learn but you know like the dangers of like knowing a lot is that like Tracy saying like people are gonna ask you to do it <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so that's why for us it's like we better really know how to do this you know and
0: I think it, it comes down to like I think I, we could relate to each other's mm-hmm. experiences because you're currently in your mm-hmm. doctorate program mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: you know working on her dissertation dissertation and and as a of color, there's things that we don't have to explain to each other. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just like such a relief, such a weight off our shoulders that it's like, you don't have to explain to me what's going on. I get it. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I think that's one of the advantages of having people like tracing these positions, these administrative positions is it's because um, they will be a better, a better equipped leaders. Because they come from similar backgrounds similar have experienced similar challenges. You know, they know what it takes. And so it it just makes the working relationship so much easier or like not as not as like, like cutthroat or like, Mm -hmm. you know, not so dry or not so like, like what you were saying, just like meritocracy Mm -hmm. or like just like all Mm -hmm. these things that come from the institution like we don't need that we can get there the same way in a different way you Mm -hmm. know like we can provide the same results in a different way we don't need necessarily need to follow those rules um and with that said uh Tracy I know you're working on your dissertation topic slowly but surely I'm often taking you know checking in on Mm -hmm. her and I'm we're trying to figure out a way we can uh you know do our work and you know you can also work on your paper um, but it's what I found it interesting, and I've asked you this before, but it, if you can share with um, our audience about why you decided to focus your dissertation topic on the impact of academic resources and student support services on the success of black women at, at an Ivy League graduate school.
2: I think because, well, I originally wanted to do women of color. They're like, that's too broad and there are too many nuances to women of color. So you need to narrow it. And so I narrowed it to black women because of myself mm-hmm. um, and because of that um black women who come to me with their stressors. Mm. And so I, I, I do question, you know, like our academic resources and the student support services we offer, are they enough and do they actually impact success? And if they don't, what are the things that black women think make them successful at Ivy League graduate school? And so I'm looking at one school, I'm looking at one particular demographic, only two years out of graduation because that's when it's most fresh in your head Um, And I'm looking at it through the lens of Black feminist thought, which allows for narratives and, you know, it's not this academic um, canon of how we do scholarship. It's like oral um, stories, it's poems, it's narration, it's art, um, because to your point, you can get to the same thing, Mm -hmm. doing it in a different way. um, And that's what I want to show. I want to show exactly what you said. When students show up in the space, mm-hmm. you can get the same success by following what they're saying makes them successful. And so I'm, I'm excited to see what the um, research is going to uncover.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And this reminds me of, uh, I was sharing this with you earlier. Mm-hmm. This um, I had my last class with Dr. West and I think he was being very I, not that I think, I know he was very being very intentional about the message he wanted to leave us as um, as we were leaving his class. Um, he delivered the following message about how um, the intents of American intellectual, uh, especially in the academy, is which includes Harvard University, is about conformity, complacency, and cowardliness. And just imagine this in his voice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he said that precisely what professionalism is at its worst is that it generates in the shaping of its students on its way to careers is that people can't wait to conform, uh, complicit to, uh, misery outside, manicure, deodorized context. And then when it's time to be tested, to take a stand on where you really think and act on what, um, too much cowardliness there's too many people who are just scared because their careers are at stake because they're perceived in a certain way because they don't believe enough in themselves and they've got some challenges so what are you what do you hear in this tracy as a um, more experienced professional having been in this field and like continuing to do your own dissertation on, on and research on this in this area how do you what do you what do you uh interpret from these words that dr west shared
2: so i hear him and i agree with him and on a flip side i would say martin luther king jr had a speech in which he said you know if you're going to be a street sweeper be the best street sweeper so i think that you choose your role and you be the best in your role and don't compare yourself to you know the social justice warrior if that's not you that's not you right Mm -hmm. if only if your role is only to touch one person or if it's only to make sure when students see your face they feel affirmed then that's your role um and i think that's where you make the greatest impact um and that is where when he talks about conformity conformity complacency and cowardliness Mm -hmm. I think you need to decide what your role is so that you can move out of that. And complacency happens, and I'll say it for myself, is, like, every nine months we have new students. And then remembering that they're new people and getting excited about them each time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what takes you out of complacency Um, and conformity. Like, you can hear me laugh about, like... (laughs) away and you know i would nor i would have in the past been like oh my god that's too loud but i'm like that's me i can't help it like i can't stop it it's just when i'm happy i laugh and so (laughs) i i don't conform to the norms if you see my office people put up their their degrees my degrees aren't even on the wall it's artwork
0: i'm just like that's what makes me feel good and Mm -hmm. so yeah i just gotta be my authentic self yeah um, and it's true, because when I hear you laughing, uh, it's contagious, you know, and I'm like, hey, I wonder what she's laughing about. <laughs> <laughs> um And then uh, he um, adds that Mary Ellen Pleasant was the first African million- American millionaire. And whenever she would start her lecture, she would say that I'd rather be a corpse than a coward. And I thought that was very powerful mm-hmm. to say. Um And also... That intellectual courage, moral courage, existential, spiritual courage, but that courage going hand in hand with humility is always a benchmark of moral and spiritual maturity. Not arrogance, not condensation, not looking down on others, but reinforcing your own, which reinforces your own insecurity because you are so smart. You're going to convince them that you're so smart. You're going to remain in perpetual audition your whole lives. Humility tied with moral tenacity is what it means to be an intellectual warrior. I totally agree so That's beautiful <laughs> I know I needed to write that down because i it's just golden like the the
1: the things that he says and also to remind um, us all like, yes, you know, like to block out that noise of the things that are distracting us from our greatness and the things that we came out to do, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day like. We just have to be really firm on our own boundaries and like think about like you know what not today you know like no mm-hmm. nonsense today no nothing else you know like um, because those are just like distractions at the end of the day you know and it's distractions that if we put too much attention and energy towards uh, we end up doing all those three things you know like, mm-hmm. yeah and mm-hmm. on top of that who is benefiting from that no one like especially no. not the yeah. students that you came to serve mm-hmm. and especially not yourself on top of that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah so
0: um we're getting cl- close to the end of our session here um but we wanted to see if you have any last comments or words of inspiration you would like to leave our audience with or some affirmation yeah. for yourself <laughs> Information about myself. Affir- affirmations about yourself. Or oh, anything I mean, you'd like to share?
2: I, my father always told us that you know, the day you stop dreaming is the day you stop. It di- is the day you die, and I totally agree with that. And so, people would be like, "Where do you come up with these ideas?" And I'm like, "I dream them up, and sometimes they'll happen, and sometimes they won't." But I think you should go for it. And so, that would be my words of inspiration.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. That's so like. So, so there's so much truth in that and a great reminder for us all as we continue doing this work. Um, so
1: I guess this is this is the end for us. And last let's minute let's comment see. is I think I said Northwestern my <laughs> And I saw you all laugh, but then I was like, What are they laughing about? And then I was like, wait a second, now I know my bad. You did your E M E D at Northeastern University. Yes. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) definitely a Friday
0: (laughs) no worries Um, okay so
1: for um, all of our listeners you can email us at chicana codeswitchers at gmail.com and send us your POC business, conference or end event shout outs and listener letters you can also record a listener message on the anchor app and that way we can include your recorded message in our future episodes Um, you can follow us on Instagram at chicana code switchers and on twitter x code switchers if you want to support this podcast and want to contribute to our graduate school funds you can venmo us at chicana code switchers um thank you all for tuning in for this week's episode and until next time thank you so much tracy nice meeting you
0: thank you for having me (laughs) thank you until next time